Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Next Goal Wins podcast. I'm your host Joe and I'll be joined by my co-host and good friend Sam. On today's podcast, we'll be answering an age-old question amongst football fans. Will England be able to win another major trophy anytime soon? First of all, we just want to say a massive thank you for listening and we hope that you enjoyed the first podcast. Alright Joe, how are you keeping? I'm good, how are you mate? All good, uh, been looking forward to the podcast. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be exciting, hopefully hopefully the first of many, uh, many to come. Yeah, a- interesting topic to start off with. Yeah, um, uh, coming from both angles, course, obviously we've got me, yeah. the Englishman, and you uh, over the little hop, skip and a jump to Northern Ireland. Yeah, you'll come from your slightly biased point of view and I'll come from... Uh, my neutral point of view, so yeah. it'll be good to get you, both of points. Right. At least we know what it's like to be at a World Cup, so it'll be alright. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, well, we'll not talk about that. But we do have good good hopes for the next Euros anyway. We're into the qualifying um, stages to get into the actual competition. Um, well, it's, it's looking up. So, looking up for you. Why, why, why do you actually think England have maybe underachieved in the past? I think there's plenty of reasons where they've just not reached their full potential, and you can you can go back and look at every every tournament that they've been at since obviously 1966, where they did obviously win it on home soil. But more recently, if you go back to Euro 2016, you look at the record that they had in that tournament. They drew with Russia on the opening day, who you can argue weren't a brilliant team. Um, then I think it, emo- <coughs> it was more of an emotion game against Wales, beating them 2-1 in the last minute. And then they finished off the groups with a 1-1 draw with Slovakia. And then everyone knows what followed with that in the knockouts regarding Iceland. So I think just not performing at that tournament was a big, big problem with obviously two draws, a loss and only one win. You can't expect I think to a massive, I think a massive thing that I seen at that tournament specifically was that the team really didn't have um, an identity as such. It just yeah, sort of looked definitely. like everybody wasn't on the same wavelength. I think now that yeah. uh, Gareth Southgate is in, and um, there has been the creation of, um, seems like there's been the crea- creation of a sort of philosophy since then on a way that he wants England to play. Yeah, you know, definitely. as it was coming up. To, as as it was coming up to the last World Cup, you were able to see that he wanted to play three players at the back. Um, yeah. Because you've seen all that in the opening games. But I think perhaps before that, there was too much change. Yeah, definitely. I think the coming from a, a fan perspective, I think the point that fans really did lose hope in that tournament was just seeing Harry Kane on corners. I think that was just... It baffled everyone. It just, I think that just drew a lot of hope away from the team because you just, just thought... just going back, just going back to the sort of identity part around the England team. Um, previous to the last World Cup in the Euros, um, where they maybe di- didn't live up to um, what they were really hyped up to be, which happens many a times with England. Yeah. It seems with the media and stuff. Um, as an Englishman yourself, and. Um, did you, do you feel yourself? Did you feel the same sort of affinity to the team? Did you feel like the same sort of culture was created? Or I think, yeah, with with the Euros in two thousand and sixteen, I think there there was 
always expectation going into it. I think that was the peak of the expectation because people still believe that they could win it. Whereas if you go to the World Cup in 2018, there was sort of no expectation. I can remember myself and plenty of other people that I know we just didn't have any expectations going into it. And I think that resonated with the team because they looked quite relaxed um, and just the 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 camp when you saw photos or videos was just there was just a good good atmosphere and there wasn't too much. But do pressure you feel on it, do you feel that was driven by Gareth Southgate, you know, creating that sort of atmosphere, or do I you think, feel like it was probably created by the low expectation? I think it's just a mix of everything. I think Southgate is because he's been there as a player. He knew what was what it was like to be at these tournaments as a player. Whereas you look at past managers, we've had well. Svengorn Eriksson, not English. Capello's not English. Roy Hodgson, great manager, but just not. He never played for England, so he didn't know what it's like for these players. But there was a, a lack of expectation, and I think that carried them through. And by the time that they got to the knockouts, um, the, they were a bit, there was no outside noise for the players, really, I'm guessing, in the camp, so they couldn't get the expectation on them then um, but I think if you do look at that that World Cup I've got the stat here that they played seven in the World Cup won four lost three and you could argue mm-hmm. the three games yeah. that they lost were against the only good opposition uh, being Belgium Croatia and then Belgium again both Belgium games in fairness were could argue not right off games because obviously in the groups both teams were through and in the third place game, yeah. it's not it's not the same when obviously you yeah. can't, can't expect players to put their all out when they've just been knocked out of a, a World Cup semi final. So I think you could argue that, but like I said, they played against four average teams. Maybe Colombia being the best of a bad bunch, but that had to go to penalties. So I think it's just not being able to beat the what, good, what I the think best I team was something. What what I think sorry what I think I did see was something was being built. Um, I didn't feel like England did reach their full potential in that tournament. When you look at some of the individual players in the team, and I think even more so now that some of the players have developed more. Um, that they do have a few world class players. You've got the likes of Jordan Henderson now. I would count as a world class player. He's been there. He's won the yeah. Champions League with Liverpool. He's done well in the Premier League this season, but at that stage, um, at the World Cup, the likes of Jordan Henderson, I don't really think you would have said is up there with the best in the world. Um, no. Whereas I even think Harry Kane's developed since then. Sterling's found a bit more consistency. And you've also got the likes of Maguire, who stepped up to a higher level, with more expectation playing for Man United, which... Is yeah, with the close, if, if not well. the same as matching the expectation as you have when playing for England so yeah. I think at that last World Cup something was being built and we might see that in the future well we hope so definitely uh, but another, another another stat which alarmed me was looking at England at the Euros and at the World Cup at the Euros they've played 31 games won 10 drawn 11 lost 10 when at the World Cup played 69, won 29, drawn 21 and lost 19. I think the main thing that stands out for me there is definitely the um, the the amount of draws. I think it's alarming the fact that I think if you look back, there's just not the ability in, in tournament football for the 
England team to just settle a game and really, when you go 1-0 up, get the second, it seems to be get one and then defend from what I've seen. Yeah. And then it just invites pressure against the best teams. Yeah. Well, I do think that probably back then, that comes into the game, probably the lack of experience back then and mm. the fact that I do think they were building towards something. Um, I think the only player in that team who probably had a great deal of responsibility at the time was um, probably Harry Kane because he's been yeah. Spurs' key player, key player for years now. Whereas the likes of Rashford maybe wasn't relied upon as much at Man United. Um, Sterling hadn't really quite found the form that he's found, you know, in the in the past couple of seasons with Man City, and Henderson as well wasn't such a pivotal role in Liverpool's um team. Liverpool weren't quite getting the same success then. So, so and also Harry Maguire stepped up as we said. So I do think that. That might be a thing that they were kind of inexperienced then, and they might um develop to try and be more to be more successful in the the more few you know in the times ahead. Um, yeah, definitely. I think I think if the Euros were going to go ahead this summer, that England were going to have a chance of winning it. Um, no doubt. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I think, yeah, like you say, there's been a good sort of rebuild, and they are getting to a point where. I feel they could have gone to the later stages of the Sorry, stop here. I think the difference is between this Euros and the last Euros was... Sorry, this Euros and the last World Cup was before the last World Cup, everybody sort of expected England to do nothing. Yeah. But I think now, um, for this Euros here, everybody did expect them to get to the stage where they're pushing yeah. to win it. They're definitely getting a semi-final. If they didn't get a semi-final to match the last World Cup, I think that would have been deemed as unsuccessful. Obviously, it depends on what teams they played to get to that stage. Yeah, definitely. You know, if they got a really um, a, a top class team in the quarterfinals, like your Germany's, your Spain's, then or your Holland's, um, yeah. then then it might have been different. And I think that's 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 what we need to worry about is how other teams are sort of building as well. You look at the likes of Germany, who <clears throat> had a complete washout of their squad and sort of started again, used the past few years as a rebuilding era and then this extra year is just going to give them more time to gel as a Holland team as well. good likes of Holland Hol- yeah like exactly Holland who have got Holland a great, well. great young side uh, and then you just can't look that's look it past but, but the thing like is Holland are may- I think Holland are maybe at the stage of England were a few years ago so yeah, were they quite unexperienced so. even though they did win in the Nations League but when it comes to the likes of the Euros or World Cup, it's a lot different. There's a lot more pressure put upon the players. Yeah. They're not just tested on their actual skill. They're tested on how they deal with the whole occasion, really. Um, yeah. I, do, I do think the players in the England team, some of the players in the England team have you know, developed since then, especially some of the young players. And I think it will continue to happen in the future as well. Um now that the Euros has obviously been suspended the next summer, how do you think that brings another twist to the tail? I think it it allows, obviously, it's a no-brainer, it allows teams to prepare and get that extra extra year in. But also, if, also I think, because we have got such good young talent, it gives them an extra, extra year to gain more experience. And the likes of Jaden Sancho 
who knows where he'll be at the start of next season. He might be at a Premier League club, so he, he might get that big money move to the Premier League, which could yeah. either make or break him, depending on how it goes. Um, so obviously, like like I say, it gives them good time and it, it sort of gives Southgate extra time to sort of decide pro- on his final final yeah. final squad, which is obviously... I think, well, the can't. promising thing now is that I do think young players are getting more of the chance in the Premier League. Obviously, yeah. in recent times, um, it has been said that clubs um, were overlooking sort of English talent in their, their under-23s team and their reserve teams and bringing in talent from other countries. Um, mm. Obviously, some clubs have the resources to be able to scout and bring talent in from other countries a lot more than other clubs. But I think even the top clubs now, it seems that there more is there is more English players in their squad and they're starting to see that they do have the talent at home and don't always mm. have to go abroad. Just like the first the first game of the the first um, game day of the season there, in the Premier League. Just this season, there was got the stat there was thirty seven the thirty seven percent of players that started. It's across all games. Wow. Um, were players that qualified to play for England. That's now that's the highest since the starting day of the two thousand eleven season, which was thirty eight percent. However, obviously, I think that stat about two thousand eleven season can maybe be written off because England didn't have quite the success then. But I think the players that are on show now are probably a higher ability than yeah. the English players think, coming through around the 2011 season. And that's amazing. Yeah, thing. I think if you do look at, yeah, like you say, the the percentage that are, I think it's not just making up the numbers with some English players now. I think yeah. England players are really pushing at the top level of the Premier League, uh, <clears> I could argue... Like the likes of Sterling and Trent Alexander Arnold are at the top of the game. Well, Trent Alexander Arnold's definitely got more to give, but they're definitely competing towards a world class stature, I think. So it's, it's it's definitely looking up. That's it, all the, these players the have been given the opportunity to develop since then, and they've been um, obviously a big thing as well over at Chelsea is they've been forced into that situation with the transfer yeah. ban. Um, Maybe a blessing, but, blessing in disguise. Yeah, but before the transfer ban, they still were attempting to develop these players by having them on loan at different clubs. Um, yeah. I can see the likes of Rhys James, Mason Mount, Hudson mm. Odoi, Tommy Abraham as, as well, um, and Tamari pushing on really in the next um, few years. We don't know what stage they'll be at. Um at the end of next season to compete in the Euros they might have another season under their belt I don't think they're quite at that level that you know of competing at a World Cup competing at, competing at a world class level as we've seen in the Champions League um, you know against teams like Ajax and stuff but yeah. I think if you give them another season then them guys as well are also contenders for starting 11 yeah. at the well, World Cup flipping that point uh, I'm going to ask you do you think Obviously, you're talking about foreign players coming into England. Do you think more players should follow the likes of Jaden Sancho and sort of take the risk and experiment by playing maybe in Europe for European teams, and that possibly could help play at these at these tournaments? I feel like Jaden Sancho maybe moved to Dortmund around a time where we still weren't there yet, um, in terms of. 
enough English players getting the chance in the Premier League. Um, I think you know the successes of the likes of Alexander Arnold. Um, now more so what's happened to Chelsea that everybody's sort of standing up and taking a bit of recognition that you know this can be done. Um, you can develop your own players. Um, the English players instead of going across and getting um foreign talent. But I do think that was around the time where he was maybe forced into that decision. Um well not forced as such, but he took that decision as he thought that because there's so many quality players at City you maybe wouldn't get a chance. Um I could see Phil Foden doing a similar thing in the next season or so. If he doesn't get um more game time at City, I feel like he might have to go across um abroad to um get more match experience. I feel like that's, that's that? happened at Ars- Arsenal as well. You know, Gnabry went across to get more matches, yeah. you know, to get more experience because he wasn't quite getting the chance at Arsenal. But I feel like now it's different because even if you look at Arsenal, you've got the likes of Saka coming through. Yeah. Um, you are getting play. You know, them them clubs are um sort of learning from their mistakes, and I feel like that's something that the English game has learned from. So, that's, so it's an interesting I think, point. I think in t- yeah. Anyway, sorry, just one last thing. In terms of players moving abroad, I think it's different at the top clubs where you have so many pl- so many good players. The likes of City, Silva, De Bruyne, um, and the likes of Fernandinho, Rodri, at full food and have to compete with. So the likes of him, he may have to get a move across to um, develop. So do you think that would be uh, with regarding Foden? A permanent move, or do you think it'd be best for a loan move to a to a to a side? <clears throat> Obviously, it depends on what City want to do with that. But I think I think City do see a lot of potential in it. Um, with mm. some of the stuff that Guardiola has said in the media, but I do think either of them would be beneficial for him. To be honest. It'll be beneficial for him and England. I feel like England do need players that have experienced the game in different countries. You know, it's quite broadcasted that in different countries the game's maybe slower. It's played at a different tempo, but what's to say that that's, you know, a tempo that you're going to find in the World Cup or... Yeah, exactly. You know, you know the set's think... not quite the same as Premier League, but... When you watch international football, I do think it is a different um, speed to what you see in the Premier League because you're playing against so many different nations. And I feel like the likes of England do struggle with that sometimes. Yeah. There's no real flow in the game. Can Do they have players that can adapt? Can they dig in? Can they change their style of play without having to receive instruction from the coach? Yeah. And, um, yeah. There would be an argument that um, some people will say that why does that need to happen? There's plenty of foreign imports in the Premier League, but I think you can argue that the style of play is just going to come down to the coaches. I think it does. It, you could have as many different nationalities in your team, but if the coach wants you to play one way, uh, you've you've got to play that way. So I think even though there is a lot of players from overseas in the Premier League. It's just not going to be the same as when you play it. No, I do. I feel what dictates the pace and the style of play in the Premier League is the fact that there is so many talented players. Every single club has international players, hmm. um, which means that you know the the play will be a certain pace. Whereas you maybe go to the Bundesliga, 
you have clubs um, knocking about around the bottom who are just going to sit and basically, as Mourinho quoted, park the bus. Um, in international terms, you're going to come again, come up against teams that will do that, and you need to figure out a way of how to break them down. It's not always going to be blue for blue the way it sometimes is in the Premier League, and that's why I think English players could benefit from growing abroad. So moving on to the next next uh, next topic we've got, how do you feel um, the squad can reach their potential then before or before the next Euros or maybe? the next World Cup? I feel like the, you know, England will have enough talented players to have a good squad for the next Euros. But I think the real work has to take place um, within you know the next load of games that England have, um, international friendlies, you know, that are leading up to the tournament. They really need to continue to build something that they did towards the last tournament. They need to have a recognised style of play. They need to not exactly tinker with the squad until two weeks before the World Cup, then select their 23-man squad. I feel like it's really important that they have a set squad much earlier. Yeah, and I feel like that, that the, has been a problem. The can't, the, yeah, yeah. Because you look at squads that they've picked leading up to World Cups, and personally, I think there's just been too many different players in there just yeah. experimenting every time rather than just getting that set squad and drilling it into them how to play with each other so they just learn and learn. That's exactly the it. best way. Yeah, and I feel like we did see a bit of that in the you know the build up to the last yeah. major tournament. You know, we've seen the same formation for a load of times. Um it was three five two um he was playing and we could see he was building towards that and there was a recognised style of play but I think the thing there maybe was that he didn't quite know who the best players were in each mm-hmm. position because there was still a lot of change. Whereas now, I feel like they're now at the next level where they know players um, who can play each different position. Um, Southgate has an idea of maybe more how to get the best out of each player now. Um, and I think that's just another step in the building process whereas I think England managers in the past maybe haven't been given time to do that or they maybe haven't been able to build because they can't really relate as such to what the players are going through and as you say Gareth Southgate has been through all this so I feel yeah. like if there's anybody then I, he's yeah, the man. No, no one better especially with what he experienced through his time Yeah, dear, um, dear. touching on the uh, World Cup in Qatar, do you feel with it being a winter World Cup, the quality of the football could be potentially better? Obviously, with it being halfway through a season, so players are potentially hitting their hitting the peak regarding fitness, uh, rather than it being at the tail end of a season and players have played fifty six games already or so many like that. Yeah, uh, not quite sure if it will be better as such because. I feel like the players probably do manage their bodies coming up towards the end of the season to prepare for a summer tournament. Um, They do get a bit of a break, but I think the main factor in seeing a different style of playing guitar will be the weather conditions. Um, It might be a much slower game. I don't think you'll see many long balls. Um, 
many runs in behind compared to usual. It'll be interesting to see the stats coming out of the back end of that World Cup and how the style of play maybe did change. Yeah, definitely. It's it's gonna be an interesting one and definitely a first. Obviously with it being in the winter. Um I just want to touch on what your opinions are. Obviously you're from Northern Ireland. Do you feel that within the transfer market for English players their price are inflated in the Premier League just because they are English talent? Hmm. Yeah, but I feel maybe sometimes rightly so because yeah. when you do bring a player in from a foreign country um, it may take them a season or a season and a half to settle whereas when you bring an English player in um, you might pay you might pay a bit of a higher price but you do expect them to settle in within maybe a few months um, so I feel like that's maybe rightly so maybe not to the stage where you're paying you know, maybe 20-30 million more for an English player but I feel like I it is certainly um, less less risk buying an English player and that is maybe why clubs then think that they can demand such high transfer fees for um, an English player. Yeah. I think one that really sums it up, which I found, was obviously N'Golo Kante to Chelsea and then a year later Danny Drinkwater to Chelsea. I think Kante was, I've got 32.2 million and one year later, Danny Drinkwater was thirty one, thirty four point one million. So I think, even though you could argue, in that Leicester side, Kante was more influential and put better performances in. Uh, somehow, Drinkwater, well, they got a higher price for Drinkwater. Could you argue that's because English or other factors, maybe? There's too many factors. That's a thing. <laughs> it's hard to put your finger on it, but. My opinion, um, it was maybe a bad bit of business <laughs> because he mm. didn't really turn out that well. Yeah, definitely. Um, whereas the Conte one might have been just a good bit of business. I might have been lucky. He might have had you know, less years left on his contract mm. at Leicester, which might have determined that. Um, but just to sum it all up, really, I do think that English players are um, do have slightly more inflated prices in the transfer market, but there is an argument for why their um, prices are a bit higher. Um, so we're coming towards the end of our podcast. Let's just sum it up with... For, so the Euros are obviously suspended till um, next summer. Um, we yep. hope that everything's sorted by then and it does go ahead. If you were to pick um, a starting lineup, now include... Um, Formation as well. If you were to pick a starting lineup um, for that Euros, the first game, and ideally you want that lineup to continue the whole way through, um, what would it be? Um, I think for the formation, although it did work with three at the back last time, I've gone four three three. I don't care. I see that. I see why you would do that. Maybe it's quite adaptable. Yeah. What? What? What formation have you gone with? Um, I I go for a four three three as well. I think in the current moment, England don't really have many um out and out wingers as such. So if you were yeah. going for the likes of a four four two, I don't think it would work. And also, I feel like 
Um, their centre back department isn't exactly as strong as the rest of the pitch, so I'd maybe yeah, stay away from playing three at the back. Just like the way he yeah. had he stuck Kyle Walker in there in the last um, World Cup. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so who who this is quite a quite a yeah tough one. Who have well, you got as a goalkeeper then? Um, to be honest with you, I haven't quite seen enough of the English goalkeepers other than Pickford. Um, I know Pickford's good with the ball at his feet, which is needed in the modern game now. Um, and he has been playing for a club at Everton where the expectation is pretty high. He's been through the 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 highs and the lows of this season, and he's now got a good um manager in Carlo Ancelotti. Um, I think will maybe guide him to his best form. So in this current moment, if we're to look ahead, I think Pickford might be um the man who I put in there, just because he's experienced it all before as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I think it's a pretty low risk option. Whereas I think all the other options, like say Dean Henderson, Pope might be high risk. Yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because in goal for me, I've got Dean Henderson. Oh, yeah. My thinking behind it is this next season, I re- I, I believe will be the make or break. If he has another good season, then I reckon he's, he's yes. But what if he goes him. back to United and he's playing behind De Gea? Exactly. It's it, it. Like I say, it all depends on how he how he performs next year. Um, he definitely obviously he hasn't played for England yet, which is quite a worry. Which I feel like that's he wouldn't have played this summer. Um, but given time over the next twelve months, if he does get a few few starts, um, then I don't see why not. He's I know Pope's got more clean sheets, but he has conceded less goals than Nick Pope. Um, yeah, I think with Pickford for me the main problem is that he makes too many big errors, and fair play he does make good saves, but he makes good saves because he makes the the big errors. And sometimes big errors yeah. are more costly than than making a good save, which is not what you need in tournament football because mm. especially in knockout games, one mistake and you're on that plane home. So I think mm. we, uh, we'll well, move on to defence then. Uh, we're both going with a back four. Who have you thrown in at right back then? Uh, I think it has to be Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that's that's an easy one. This season he's got... 12 assists in the Premier League he's been a sort of constant throughout that side um, and he also yeah. showed, showed good form in the Champions League last season as well especially with that bit of um, creativity with the corner against Barcelona I think yeah. that's the kind of thing that England have maybe been lacking um, in their squad for a lot of time now um, players that can sort of have that wee bit of inventiveness Um but I think he comes close to Thar Wambasaka because um I feel like Wambasaka has started to show um really what he's made of at Man United. He's an absolutely fantastic defender. Um oh, yeah, he maybe definitely. could improve he maybe could improve his attacking productivity, but if That'll you're wanting a fullback if you're yeah especially playing that's with, playing at Man and the thing is, if we're thinking about next season, we don't really know what Wambasaka mm. might develop into. Um, but I would go for Trent Alexander-Arnold. What about yourself? Yeah, same here. I've got got Trent down there. 
Uh, let's move on to the two centre backs. Who have you who have you got pair in there? Um, I'll just go over these quickly. I'd say Maguire and Gomez. Yep, same. Like yeah, Maguire, I think it's, it's hard to look yeah. past them too. I think it's hard to look past them. Um, Gomez has had a decent season. Um, he's yep, experiencing. Um, he's, he's, he's experiencing sort of. Ha- ha- yeah, he's experiencing sort of the pressures of. Um. Well, I know the season's been halted, but going to win the try and win the league. Um, yeah. in the coming months when the season does resume and he's also experienced um, a lot of Champions League football whereas Alexis Jones-Stones he's been injured for a while um, yeah. I'm not really sure if he'll be a constant in the City side Maguire's obviously had the experience of Captain United hmm. So let's move on to uh, left back then who have you who have you put in there? Um, I'll go for Chilwell what about yourself? Same with me. I was I was torn between Chilwell and Shaw, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah. Because the, the way I thought Shaw is obviously United recently has been always been throwing him into a back three, and he's not been doing awful there. So I think if you put him there, and your backs are against the wall, you need to defend the lead. You could throw Chilwell on, put him wing back, and just slot Shaw into a back three. Um, but yeah, I've gone with Chilwell anyway. If I'm starting with a back four, um, yeah, then... I think Chilwell's form's been quite good this season. Um, yeah, and it's whether Leicester, Leicester can carry just... on as well. Yeah, and you could also maybe see Chilwell getting a move to another club. Yeah. Um, yep. We'll move on to midfield. Your midfield three. Uh, what way I would think... you have your midfield three? Would you have two um, defensive midfielders, and one attacking, or? I've gone. One, one defensive with yeah. two attacking, but yeah, I've got I've got Henderson sitting, mm-hmm. Captain Jordan, uh, and then I've got Madison with Oxley Chamberlain in front. So I feel Oxley Chamberlain could help Henderson when it comes to defending a bit of box uh, to box. I agree with two of those. Yeah, I know which one you're going to disagree with. I'm going to go same midfield, Grealish over Madison. Yeah, I'll back up your. T- I'll back up your two points on the other two players, um, but Grealish, I feel like um, he's certainly experienced a lot more pressures um, with being at Aston Villa. Um, Do you think he... Le- le- for him, that team. Yeah, for him to become or get into this team next year, do you think he has to leave Villa? No, not necessarily. I think Villa have to stay in the Premier League. <laughs> Yeah. For him to get yeah. into this team, but I don't. That's that's the number one thing. But I don't think that he does have to leave. Um, fella to get into that team. Um, for that guy's ability to do everything, sort of going both ways, it's, it's good. He can, he can win the ball. He's strong. He can drive the ball. He scores goals. Um, yeah. you know he's he's got nine goals in all competitions this season for a struggling Villa. And he had assists. Yeah, was, yeah, Madison's so, only got six goals. So. Yeah, so I think you've got stats and the opinion of what I have. I think what I yeah, found so. as well, which surprised me, was talk about the other midfield we've got in there is Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, 35 uh, appearances for England with seven goals. And I think for a midfielder, that's quite a good quite a good return. But although none of them have come at a summer tournament but you know it could 
could, could oh, I think he's transformed. Well. Oxley Chamberlain since his Arsenal days. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's just experienced another thing at Liverpool where he's um, playing alongside Jordan Henderson as well, so that helps. Yeah. Front uh, three was fact, pretty hard. Pretty hard for yeah. me. Sort of stuck over. Um, whether to put, uh, you know, sort of stuck over that right side. Who to put on the right side of the three? What about yourself? Yeah. Uh, yeah, same for me. It was quite quite a tough one, but I've come to a final decision. I'm guessing. Well, I'm guessing we've both got Kane spearheading that. Yeah, okay. Have to have Kane. Yeah, I think thirty-two goals in yeah. forty-five games for England. Fantastic. And then I don't th- you're not going to get anybody that matches that. It would be hard to justify him not being in the team. You know exactly, and especially with six goals at the last World Cup. You just can't yeah. can't look past him. Uh, so who have you gone for on your on your right side? Mm, on the right side, we went with Sterling. Sterling ahead of Sancho. Ooh, I've um, gone. I've gone for Sancho for that one. Yeah, I feel like Sterling has experienced the he experienced the last tournament. His form at City's been really good. Um, whereas I th- actually, actually. Sterling, I think Sterling will have to maintain, you know, what he has done until next summer, um, really to the highest level to get in instead of Sancho. But Sancho for me at the moment, um, he's what would you probably say? He's probably had one proper good season. Yeah. Whereas Sterling, think- I'd say, he's probably had a good three seasons under his belt now. And yeah. Probably two of them the only seasons thing- have been real top quality where he's been performing at all levels. Yeah, I think. What I, do, I, do, I do think. Yep, come on. What pushed it for me, I think, tipped it for Sancho over Sterling. I think Sterling plays unbelievably well for City because he has got the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva, you could argue, putting it on a plate. Whereas he won't. Yeah. I don't think he'll have that sort of world class creativity behind him in, mid- in midfield. And I think Sancho just has that sort of electric pace and he's got that ability and confidence to take on a man. And you've seen with the amount of assists he's got, he's just got that ability as well to find that man in the middle. And I think him and Kane could potentially, if you can get them two on the same wavelength, it just, it, I think it could be lethal. Hmm. Good point, but ah, oh, just think at the minute I'm, I'm playing pretty safe with man. It's like the goalkeeper. I like to yeah. play it safe. Um, a goal for Sterling. Um, but I could see Sancho San- developing in there. Another sort of demon in the next year or so. It'd yeah, be really so dangerous. Um, yeah. Who who have we gone left wing then? Left on the left, left hand side. I think if now that we've narrowed it down a bit, I think it's a bit straightforward. I've went for yeah. Rashford. <laughs> yeah, I see. I think the so, sort of weight uh, he's carried on his shoulders the past sort of couple of years will put him in real good stead to develop in the next couple of seasons. Yeah. Now that United, I think I want to push on to the next level. Um, and I think next season especially that Rashford will will really see the best of him definitely playing yeah. on the left side I do feel like that's his most natural position I feel like he's with, very with good Rashford, at running defenders he is and cutting, on, cutting inside and he's got that he's kind of developed that Ronaldo-esque strike yeah, um, yeah. when he shoots um, but do you feel Rashford wants to be a left winger or a left forward hmm or do you think he's one of these players that, know, in think... his head, wants to be a striker, and kind of loses a bit of confidence when the the manager puts him 
out there on the left? Um, I'd like to think as a professional that he would understand that it's, you know, there's a reason why managers keep playing him on the left. Um, and then when he does come up to England as well, that there is a real world class striker, proven striker in there, and Harry Kane. So I feel like I feel like it wouldn't affect him too much. Mm. But I have seen him perform at a high level coming in from the left. So uh, now I honestly don't think it would affect things at all. Yeah, I think even even though he's still he's still quite a young, I think he's got an experienced head on his shoulders because obviously yeah, be, yeah. Be playing it playing at United for these years and having the the pressure of being this next next best thing at United uh, it could it, it has potential to take a lot out of someone but I feel like he's he's handled it really well he's, he comes across as a, a lad who's got his feet on the ground from what I've seen and he, he can only push on next year hopefully he can stay injury free I think that's the main thing about some of these players they've just got to make sure that they stay stay fully fit and not injured for the tournament because that was the worry yeah, going into this summer you look at Kane. Yeah. Kane was potentially going into this tournament with. He, met, he could have missed it. He wasn't having much game time leading up. Rashford's being injured, and you you think maybe it is a blessing that it's been moved an extra year, so our team is fully fit. I think it is a blessing to be honest, and we'll have um, not we you. We'll have that. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's, he's already. You'll have that. <laughs> no, I'm not turning sides. Um, you'll have a. You might. You might be there. You might be there. You've still got a chance. Oh, we might be there. Maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe. Though my hopes are never high, but you don't know. Um, no, you I do think that. W- oh dear. I'll speak about that after. Um, I do <laughs> think that. I do think that. Um, as I mentioned the guys at the players at Chelsea as well I think the likes of them will be contenders for the squad next year yeah. um, I think we'll really see the best in now well yep. I think that finishes off for the England stuff I think just before we do finish let's. Let, I think we should touch on Northern Ireland and their, if you their expectations obviously we found out yesterday or a few days ago that Michael O'Neill was stepping down he was expected to take you to the Euros um, but Obviously, he has got commitments with Stoke. Who do you want to come in as manager? And potentially, who do you see coming in? I think, first and foremost, you want somebody that's um, from within. That um, has really... I think that's the best way to do it with Northern Ireland, a country like Northern Ireland, because if you pay um, a lot of money to get a big name in, okay, they're a decent proven manager, but... They don't exactly know our league as well, which a lot of players um do come from. Yeah. There's a lot of players, a lot of young players that come into our league, develop, then move to maybe like a League One team in England, and then do progress up to the Championship and the Premier League. That tends to be the way the way it goes. And Michael O'Neill really did take an interest in that. Um, as you've seen the likes of Liam Boyce, um, Gavin White, who's now at Cardiff City. Um, them guys have been in the squad and there's there's many others as well in the squad that have taken that pathway so I think you need somebody from within who's willing to show an interest in our league as well as sort of um, and wants to build something rather than just wanting to pick from the current talent pool go through one tournament then leave so I feel like the contenders would be um, Jim Magilton, um 
who obviously has experience managing QPR and its Ipswich, and he's the elite performance director at the IFA at the minute. Um, basically managing all the underage teams, or Ian Barclaw, who is the under twenty one manager. Obviously, over the, he was the manager over the win against. I think it was last season against Spain under twenty ones, and a couple of other high profile wins, which has just been, brilliant. So I think he'd be maybe maybe just go for Ian Barclaw because he'd be the one that, um, knows the current set of under twenty ones and might be able to provide a good pathway. Because at the end of the day, we don't have a large talent pool. Yeah, it is quite quite a confined spe- confined country to choose it from. Yeah. Um, could you see someone like potentially Sam Allardyce doing the job? <laughs> I'd like to see Getting someone like Sam Allardyce, just because it would probably be entertaining. But yeah, deep down, no, don't no. think so. But practicality is not think, there. I don't, I don't think he'd be considered, but I think it would be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And what's to say, somebody like that wouldn't do a good job. Exactly. He's definitely got a lot he's of got, experience. He's got, he's got 100% international record. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Dear, dear. Yep, yeah, well, I think that, that wraps it up nicely for today's episode. Yep. So, well, yeah, well. thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Good discussion. Yep, indeed it was. And hopefully everyone enjoyed listening and they'll join us again next week. Yes, thanks very much. And bye.